Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. friends. Welcome back to part two of our Deconstructing Distortions series. I'm very excited to be back with you this week to lean into this undoing process and rebuild our faith with the truth of God's Word. My prayer is that we will continue to challenge the ways in which our beliefs or upbringings have kept us bound to fear, shame, isolation, anger, and condemnation. So today, we are going to be diving into exploring the three types of legalism and the lies that are associated with them that have inundated our Christian living. Lately, I have been talking to so many people, both clients and colleagues, about the need for this process to address the wounds that have impacted our perspectives in a way that distorts who we are and who God is. I did a quick poll on my social media a few weeks ago and found that so many people had identified with messages that provoked shame and fear. So last week, we explored the term deconstruction, and we differentiated secularism from biblical truth. Secularism uses deconstruction to determine and deny truth's authority, whereas biblical truth uses deconstruction to expose and deny distortions of truth. So that is what we're going to be doing today, exposing lies and challenging unjust systems. This is something I am very passionate about. And as a therapist, I find myself 
so heartbroken over the many messages and experiences that have led my clients to discount the God of Scripture or to come to know Him in terms of hatred and condemnation. As a believer, I am also convicted that Christians are called into this process of deepening their awareness of beliefs and engaging in a culture with compassion rather than holding signs or using our social media posts to promote judgment and self-righteousness. In a world that holds standards for acceptance and love, we are to be the ones to share the message of acceptance and love, one that is not based on conditions or conduct, but on the power and purpose of our Heavenly Father. Today, we are going to identify the three types of legalism that have made their way into our Christian discipleship and have in many ways missed the central message of the gospel. The first type of legalism defined by R.C. Sproul, it is the abstract of law of God from its original context. Some people seem to be preoccupied with Christian faith, with obeying the rules, regulations, that they convince themselves that Christianity is about a series of do's and don'ts. This is what we tend to see within works-based salvation. It's concerned merely with keeping God's laws as the end itself, and that such adherence is what gives us acceptance, love, and right standing with God. But this distortion expands into the way we live our lives when we begin to hyper-focus on our doing for God rather than our being with God. The law becomes our way to God apart from any relationship built on His unconditional love and grace towards us. I think one of the major impacting factors to works-based salvation is misunderstanding of Scripture. And we see this in the associations of distortions connected to this form of legalism. One of the most pervasive statements I receive from my clients is that, quote unquote, God will be upset with me if I do a certain thing or if I fail in a certain moral way. This belief is founded on the perspective that our works or adherence to the laws of God are what keep him close and happy with us. I recently asked my client about this dynamic in the context of another relationship and her response was incredible. She said, well, that would be toxic. (laughs) And I said, you know what? You're really right. If we have the belief in a God who loves us only when you're doing what he wants us to do, we are in a toxic relationship. One that is not founded on scripture and what God says about us. In that vein of thinking, I think it can also be confusing when we read scripture verses that infer our legalistic perspective, or we are given scripture as a weapon to adhere to the law. And here are just a few examples from scripture. I think oftentimes the passage in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That one gets twisted very often. I think also Philippians 2, 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling gets distorted. And also James 2, 14, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now we have to remember in reading these kind of scriptures that we have to look at them in context of our covenant relationship with God. God's covenant love is what holds us close to Him, nothing more and nothing less. It is within this relationship of grace we are to understand the law. Making love contingent on living out the law is not the gospel message. Each of these passages are specifically not talking about salvation, acceptance, and God's view of us if we sin. 
John 14 is actually saying quite the opposite. It's not a threat of allegiance, but an invitation to reciprocity in relationship. Obedience is the way we reciprocate God's love towards us. Let's think about this in a different kind of relationship, right? Whether it be a parent-child or a spouse or a friend, when we are engaged in a positive relationship, we work together. And what I think is so powerful about this is we see this oftentimes in parent-child relationships or in what I like to call trust-based or grace-fueled relationships. We want, right, the response of our loving relationship to be not compliance with a set of laws, but a movement towards someone in love. And so I think this is the heart of the passage that so gets missed, where we start questioning maybe, man, do I love God because I'm not obeying every single one of his commands? We can proof text this passage and not really understand it um, in context of what it was originally written for. And so how do we reconstruct a relationship with God that is not based on our goodness or badness, but on God's covenant love and grace. We cannot understand the law without first understanding grace. And I think this is where we have to start with a reconstruction here is that covenant comes before conditions and God's love for us is not dependent on us, but it's placed on us. And so these are some questions that you can be asking yourself if you are identifying with, wow, I, I think I fall under this this lie of legalism that is telling me that I have to be a certain way in order to be loved by God. But in actuality, we're recognizing that scripture is telling us actually it's God's love that moves us to repentance, right? It's God's kindness that moves us in a direction that is life-giving. We can't do that in and of ourselves. And so here are some questions that we can be asking ourselves. What do I believe God's love is based on? Is it based on myself? Is it based on God's goodness and his grace? What does scripture say to support this? Another question you could ask is, how do these passages impact my view of God's movement towards me? And the final question would be, what ways do I or can I intentionally experience God's grace, love, and acceptance? Here is our movement towards a God who cares and loves us by just being with him rather than doing for him. This has been a really difficult one for me as I have had really hard time with accepting grace in my own life. And so as an encouragement, I want to remind you that this takes time to see God as a God of grace. We have to recognize and deconstruct that belief that it's all about my works. This is how God sees me. And this can be done through going back to scripture and looking at the verses that help us and remind us of God's movement towards us again and again and again. All right, so this is the first area of legalism. Let's move on to the second. So in addition to the law being based on finding God, the second form of legalism contrasts to the first by obeying the law or external requirements while not really having any desire for God. So there's a little bit of a shift here in this second form of legalism. Here we separate the law from the God who created law. And it becomes no longer about even a relationship with God as the first. When I think about workspace salvation, I think, you know, your heart is in the right place. You, you desperately want God's approval and affection. And the best news about that is you don't have to work for it. But in this particular type of legalism, it's actually not even about God anymore. It tends to become more about our own self-acceptance 
or wanting to look a certain way externally. Sproul explains it this way. He says, to understand the second type of legalism, we have to remember that the New Testament distinctions between the letter of the law, which is the outward form of law, and then the spirit of the law, which is the heart behind it, the purpose, right? And so in Romans 8, we see this. It says in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. You see, this form of legalism misses both context, which we just talked about, and then connection with God. Seeking to use the law as a form of personal acceptance or even self-righteousness apart from God, rather than because of God. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives— Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. We see this in the scriptures where Jesus calls out the Pharisees. You know, in Matthew 12, the Pharisees are very concerned with why Jesus is healing someone on the Sabbath. And they challenge Jesus by asking him, right, the letter of the law. They're really concerned with not working and avoiding anything that would look like work. But they missed the heart of Jesus in that moment. What the purpose of Sabbath was, was to dismiss work so that we could commune with God and be with God. And isn't healing someone glorifying God? And so we miss it here. We, we become, I think, a lot more rigid and then a lot more judgmental or self-righteous. So what are some associated distortions with this type of legalism? I think one common way I see this form of legalism practiced is with spiritual disciplines in the church. We have become so very focused on the practices of Christianity and missed, I think, the purpose of them completely, which is to be with God and become more like Him, right? And I grew up in the North and saw this in different ways, I think, than maybe I now see it in the state of Virginia that I live in, but people just attended church up North. Um, people went to church on Sundays, but yet no one really cared about God or it was never really any other part of their life rather than 
Sundays. And so it became this religious practice that you did if you were a quote unquote good person, but there was no connection to really a relationship. And now living in the South, I see this in different ways. You know, we do all the religious things, yet so often I think I see Christians treating others with contempt and judgment and self-righteousness. And this is, again, missing the spirit of the law. It's missing God's heart for his people. And this is what Jesus repeatedly warned the religious people about time and time again, right? I think about what Jesus says in response to the Pharisees about the Sabbath. He reminds them that the Sabbath was made for for man, not man for the Sabbath. And this idea of the law was made to allow our flourishing, not to condemn us. And and we've taken it so out of context and created this as a measurement for our spirituality. So how do we even get out of this? Right? Like this feels really twisted potentially. And if you're if you're internalizing any of this, we have to look at what's left to rebuild from this deconstruction, right? We recognize that legalism in this form is without heart. And it has challenged my heart to explore again, the heart of the gospel for me and for those around me. The way Jesus loved and leaned into those around him was compassionate and bold. And I think this is where we can start with this reconstruction of our belief in God's heart, this heart of the law or spirit of the law that has no condemnation. So here are some questions for you. If you're identifying with this type of legalism, What are my motivations for my religious practices? Maybe you feel as though you have to do certain things and maybe it's not even for God anymore. Maybe we've, maybe we've missed that. What are the motivations? Why do we do what we do? A.I. Packer has a beautiful quote in his book, Knowing God. And he says this, what is the purpose in filling my mind with these things? And so this is a question we can start asking ourselves, especially when it comes to spiritual disciplines or things that we're doing out of sake of morality. What are my motivations? Where is my heart? Am I more connected to a relationship or to the rule? And what ways can I seek to explore the spirit of law over the letter of law? Finally, the third type of legalism is that of man-made rules and regulations added to God's word. This is what Sproul notes as the most common and deadly form of legalism. We see this in Mark 7, where the Pharisees just get very upset with the disciples not following the traditions of washing their hands. And they question Jesus, like, why aren't your disciples following the traditions of the elders? And Jesus says to them a very powerful thing. He quotes Isaiah, and he says that the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold the tradition of men. And then Jesus says to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. And man, I cannot align with these words enough as I see so many Christians walking away from the church because of traditions that are not necessarily even scriptural. And so often my clients identify this black and white divide in their life. And I think this is one of the major associated distortions with this type of legalism, this sacred and secular divide. We have divided our lives into 
two camps, one being our life without God and one being our life with God. And this creates for most people a perpetual shame and a legalistic mindset where we're measuring our spirituality and God's approval and people's opinions on our ability to complete certain tasks or follow certain rituals rather than on what God has given us in his word. Think about these things like self-care, rest, enjoyment, eating, watching TV, engaging in anything outside, listening to music. I think a lot of times things that fall outside spiritual infused contexts become considered wrong, unholy, or less godly. And this is what separates us from living an undivided devotion to God. This produces so much bondage and completely misses the message of the gospel. We are to glorify God always in everything we do. And so what does it look like to invite God into everything we do? Can we glorify God by walking down the street or getting an ice cream with a friend? Can we glorify God by brushing our teeth in the morning or by resting and eating a good meal, enjoying life, right? These all are part of what Ecclesiastes talks about as a gift from God. And so we are to embrace them and delight in them and rejoice in them. We are no longer bound by the traditions of men, and we are to walk in the freedom of God's word. I think this distortion of tradition and regulation made by systems and humans has caused such significant harm to those within the, their communities and congregations. And if you are resonating with this now, I just want to say I'm so sorry that you have been exposed to these dangerous lies and that the heart of God for you is to experience freedom and liberation. And so how do we even reconstruct from that type of rubble? I think the question we have to go back to right, is what is true. If we go back to the scripture and even this specific passage where Jesus calls out the Pharisees, we see that he directs them to look at their motivations. Jesus reminds the disciples and those listening that it's not about what we do externally. It's not what we wear, how we worship. It's about the motivation of our heart. And he talks about what comes out of a person is what defiles them. So what are your motivations, right? Again, we have to look at God caring more about the condition of our heart than he does about the color of our hair or what kind of clothes we wear or the type of service we attend on Sundays. This is where we have to begin separating traditions from truth. What traditions of your religious upbringing are founded in truth? Either maybe commands of scripture or admonishments. I think of things like the fruit of the spirit or exhorting one another or not holding a root of bitterness in my life. These are the things that I recognize are not just traditions of being honest and communicating and treating people kindly, but they are truths of scripture that remind me and ground me in the fact that I am a new creation and I am to embody the father in the relationships I have and the way I live. But what traditions in your religious upbringing maybe are founded more on human rule or ritual? I remember in my younger childhood going to a church that was very legalistic and they called me their sister in pants. And it was a 
really hurtful experience because I was almost felt bad that I was not wearing the right thing. And it, it took so much of my attention off of the Lord and onto fitting in to that particular group of people. And so what traditions do we maybe have to disconnect from? Is it really matter if I'm wearing a pants or a skirt? It matters what my heart is in front of the Lord. The key to this reconstructing of our beliefs around these types of issues is going back to God's word and modeling Jesus' example, right? Loving God and loving others. Here we experience, as the disciples did, freedom to express our spirituality, our uniqueness, our personality, our preferences, our callings, right? And so as we close today's episode, I just want to give a word of encouragement because these lies of legalism are sometimes hard to spot and root out of our lives when they have been laid in the foundation of our belief system. So I just want to give you some encouragement to continue to deconstruct some of these distortions so that we can rediscover the goodness of God's heart towards us. Number one is just to keep asking questions. Stay curious. And then number two is to lean into community. We cannot do this work alone. And so find someone that you can be honest and and talk through these questions with. And number three, be gentle with yourself and accept grace. I think this is one of the hardest ones to do because we want to just figure it out and have it all done. But recognizing we have so much space in grace to figure out what we believe and bring it to the Lord. Remember, we cannot change a belief with just another set of beliefs. We have to experience something new based on that belief. And so I pray that we can experience God's heart towards us and how that can change the way we view ourselves and the world around us. As R.C. Sproul put it, the essence of our Christian theology is grace and the essence of our Christian ethic is gratitude. So maybe walk in this grace and with gratitude. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarcoyer.com. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.